Welcome back to another episode of the Vinya Nordic Podcast. My name is Jon and I'm leading you through these conversations. The Vinya Nordic Podcast is the best way to stay up to date with the latest news and inspiring stories relating to how God is at work in the Vinya Nordic community. The first times we were out, I think really shaped something in me about how God uses us to reach people in the darkest places. Because sometimes when we got to pray for them and just using the name Jesus, how that just shifted everything, like everything in the atmosphere, everything just totally shifted. And I couldn't explain it. The name of Jesus is such a powerful thing in the spiritual world. Today I'm very happy to have Anne Valse here as a guest in the podcast. Anne, together with her husband Simon and their two kids, moved to Aarhus a couple of years ago to plant Vineyard Aarhus, which is a church plant that have grown quite fast during the years, but also really been part of welcoming young people in the student city and also reaching out to people that are stuck in trafficking and prostitution. Anne, in this episode, shares freely from her own story of growing up in church, leaving the church, coming back, finding God again in Copenhagen Vineyard, and also about her story of being a leader in church, working with the vulnerable people in in prostitution, trafficking in Copenhagen, how that has changed her life and her faith, and, and so on. And also the big step of actually planting a church, which was so not a thing for her, she thought, before getting this calling uh, together with her husband. Simon and Anna is also this fall taking on the role as national leaders for Wiener Denmark, which I think is really exciting. So let's have a listen on this episode, and I hope it will inspire and challenge you for the times ahead. So, once again, everyone, very welcome to this episode of the Vineyard Nordic Podcast. We are back in season two, and when we're recording this, it's still summer and it's warm, and we're looking forward for some holidays and also our summer camp. So that's really good. And today I'm very happy to have Anne Valse here from Aarhus in Denmark. Very welcome here. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm doing good. It's summer. It's It's summer. How is life at the moment? It's good. We just have the last Sunday service in Aarhus Vineyard this Sunday. And now we are prepping a little bit for summer camp and finishing up stuff and having great conversations with people about rest. And yeah, so I'm really enjoying, enjoying this season. You've been on quite a ride the last couple of years since planting the church. And I mean, you... We talked about this earlier also, and normally maybe you have this slow process of growing, but you had very quick growth in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So you had to settle things down quite fast. How has that been from that time and until now? And what have you seen so far in, in church? Well, we planted Aarhus Vineyard five years ago, and simultaneously we got our second child. And we sort of left from everything we knew. My husband and I, Simon, moved from Copenhagen. And he had been pastoring before, but I hadn't. So in this way, it was just this really steep learning curve of getting to, you know, be a mother of two instead of one, living in a totally new city, try to pastor a church that grew really rapidly and figure out not to be too overwhelmed about all the needs and also just how many things there was to learn over a really short period of time. So it felt like there was this deficit there wasn't really enough but I think in a sense the lack of control from the very beginning was actually quite helpful in terms of just being well with God it's always enough 
So I think it's just been this learning process, dying more and more to the fact that it's not up to me, it's not up to us, it's actually up to God. And in his kingdom, there's always enough. And it's not about us having to do everything for making it work. So he actually created us to rest. So um, I'm really trying to remind myself of that. Talk a lot about it these weeks that, hey, we need to be able to rest and let go of everything, having Sabbath, because it doesn't turn around us, it turns around God. That's really good. I remember when you actually, I think, announced it on a summer camp that you were supposed to plan. And actually that meeting, I got very inspired myself to like, I never thought about church planting and haven't really had that in a way on my heart. But when you shared, it sounds so exciting. I remember when you <laughs> shared about the city and, you know, you had done your research and what you were looking forward to and stuff like that. So it's very nice to see that you have established now and there's still things to come. For the people who doesn't know you, you will share a little bit more today deeply also from your background and your stories. But how would you describe yourself with three words? Wow, three words about myself is <laughs> always uh, interesting. Well, what to say? I think I'm passionate about people. I think I've always been this, always been really interested about people. I'm educated sociologist. And I always thought that human behavior is really interesting. And I love that. And as my previous work before I was pastoring has always been about people, about volunteers, about leadership and like how people work in a group setting. So I'm really interesting and passionate about that and also about minorities and vulnerable people. I've worked a lot with women in prostitution. Yeah, I have a deep passion for people who are being wrongly treated in our society and social justice is on my heart as well. I'm an Enneagram too. So I, I sometimes have a hard time figuring out what I, how I'm doing, but I really like people and yeah, I'm quite extroverted as well. So I spend a lot of time with people. I've learned a little bit more from my husband about being quiet and sometimes not talking. And I definitely had to learn about being silent with God. That's been something I've been journeying a lot the last five, six years about being in silence. That's not something that comes easy for me, but I think I've got a little bit hold on it. Yeah. Now I'm, I'm older. So Has it been easy to get into another rhythm in that way? I can see myself in the same position, how I also am very extrovert, but also learned actually after my wife, Lina, as well, like to get a little bit like the speed down sometimes and just be present and be silent and be have a good time without just running around. Yes. It's so important. Yes, it's so important. And I think in some sense, it's also been, for me, it's been a journey actually accepting that I'm very activistic in my way of believing in my uh, work with Jesus and my faith journey is a lot. I relate to God in that way in many ways and find like find peace in that. I've never really been that much into studying a lot and finding God in that way. I'm so much more in talking about Jesus and doing stuff. But I think finding rest in that also made the po it possible for so much more to develop a side where silence and rest actually became a part of my being with God. And especially after reading a lot about 
emotionally healthy leadership and discipleship, having a spirituality where silence became at the center. That really was like such a sweet journey into something that was really scary for me before, like inviting Jesus into that space of silence. So like I had these amazing retreats. There's this retreat center close to where we live now. And going there the first time, I was so scared of being silent for three days. I couldn't imagine how that would be. (laughs) But now I really, I long for that silence and just being alone with God and having this rhythm of retreat, silence retreats and stuff now. It's so healthy. And it, it ends like my activistic side, like the two makes sense for me to have combined. It's really good. It sounds really good. And for people to get to know you a little bit, what are you doing in life at the moment? Like we heard you're pastoring Aarhus Vineyard and how is that going and what else do you like to do in life? Well, I, um, yeah, I'm pastoring full time together with my husband, Simon. I'm married to Simon. We lead Aarhus Vineyard together and we've been doing so from the very beginning. I've been a part of the Vineyard movement for 20 years, actually. And I love it. It feels like home in so many ways. I have only been pastoring for five years, a little bit more. So in that sense, I'm, I feel like I'm still learning. I feel like I'm still uh, figuring out which kind of pastor I am. And also, I feel like I have put things on my heart for the nation and for women in ministry and for yeah different things that I feel like God is revealing to me that there's also a next season for that. And yeah. Sounds really good. So as we normally do here, we also have some short questions for you to answer. And the first one I want to know is what's the best thing with Aarhus now that you've been living there for a while? The best thing about Aarhus is that people are so nice. It's called the Smile City or the, the city of the smiles. And coming from Copenhagen, there's just so many people in Copenhagen. And Aarhus is like three times smaller than Copenhagen. So it's so much easier to become a local here. I really enjoy that. And everything is much more into walking distance. So you can walk to everything. We live in the very city center and I just really like it that when you find your favorite bakery, you can just walk there and you meet people on the street all the time that you know. And yeah, it's just this, and it has everything you need. Like there's a a really nice art scene, so much music going on here. There's really great museums, some of the best in the country. It's definitely here. And it's just within reach so much more. And there's not so much to like your FOMO is not that it's not that uh, there's not so much pressure on it because there's one festival at the time. Yeah. <laughs> and in Copenhagen, it was just sometimes three at the time, just yeah. outside our house. So I really enjoy the pace here is slower. There's a few people, but we smile to each other and it's right right at the beach. And yeah, just yeah, really like it. So good. It sounds like here. I think it's yeah. a, a bit bigger though, but I also like moving from Stockholm to come here and, you know, you have all this, like you say, you get to know people and you meet them here and there and you get to know the people in the restaurants and your favorite places like you, because this is a tourist place. So in the summer, it's so many tourists, but it's sometimes a little bit nice to be local and you know the people and <laughs> it feels home in a way. So, yeah. Yeah. If you would share one thing that not many people know about you, maybe a special talent or something you experienced. Oh, well, 
I just talked to my girls about it today because we were talking about creepy animals and stuff. And I have this really horrible experience with, I, I had a house cat when I was growing up and it put a mouse in my shoe and, oh. uh, or in my boots actually. And I got the boot all the way on before oh. I, I realized there was a mouse in the shoe and it was terrible and it like freaked me out for life. So I'm actually really scared about mice and rats. And yeah. if I see like the cutest mouse, I still freak out and I can feel my right foot. Like it tingles, <laughs> which is really... So if you talk about mice in a really weird way, my feet start to tingle or the right feet. So I, if I don't know if that's a special gift or just yeah, but that's, trauma. That's, yeah, that's something we didn't know. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> What's your definition of leadership? Oh, well, I think it's going new places and seeing that people follow, mm. but always serving those people. Mm-hmm. So I think you're often a spear, especially in the kingdom. You will always, as the leader, you will always be the spear that enters into also a spiritual battle. You go in the front and therefore you might take some really hard beatings sometimes, mm-hmm. but you make other people able to walk behind you and they can go where they didn't want to go before because you <clears throat> went before them. Mm. That's good. Yeah. And the last one is if you could choose three persons dead or alive to have a dinner with and everyone at the same time, who would those be? I would really love to meet Mother Teresa. That's been a huge dream of mine. Um, who else? I think it would be like Prince or somebody who is like maybe Bob Dylan, like a really a, a cool artist or something as well. Yeah, that's a good mix, though. <laughs> yes, that would be nice to have in the same room. I think. Yeah, that's a good but one. I think I would prefer, actually. Yeah. Yeah. That would be an interesting talk. So to go a little bit deeper and hear about your background and who you are, we normally have this section where you share three stories or situations from your life that have shaped who you are. And uh, yeah, please share with us what are those stories from your life? Yes. Well, I think one of the really shaping of my life was actually when I entered the first vineyard church I'd ever been to uh, 20 years ago. And just to back a little bit up before that, I was grew up in a Christian home, really bubble kind of environment where my parents were the teachers of a Christian school where I went and all the kids were Christians and I parents were teaching at the school and we came to the same church and everything. And it was really nice and very safe. When I became a teenager, there was this, I went to this Bible kind of school where we traveled a lot and a lot of really amazing things happened and had some great encounters with God. But I also had some leaders who sort of overstepped their boundaries and there was a lot of spiritual pressure. And I think in many ways, I just got really hurt by leaders, Christian leaders. And I sort of, I couldn't make it fit like Jesus and God, everything's good. But with leadership and organization, religion, I just more and more felt like during high school that that was off, like I can't really trust it. So what meant to be a year that was supposed to be really building or good for me and my relationship with God sort of changed everything. And I left faith pretty much during high school. And I When I became a student, I went to Copenhagen right away, moved away from home. And 
just lived pretty much worked at a bar had a lot of fun and a lot of friends and but also just lived a pretty chaotic life I think and then one Sunday I had to pick up a friend at Copenhagen Vineyard and at that point it was like 60 people so it was I haven't I hadn't really heard about Vineyard before or anything but thought before that well I can do that I came in the door and I, I'm big enough to visit a church even though I don't believe in churches anymore I can do that it's no big deal and then I came and I was just super struck by the presence of God really I didn't call it that at the time but that was definitely it and the worship songs were different in a way I hadn't experienced before. They just put into words what I was feeling. So it was my kind of language. And then most of all, I had Fleming, the leader of Vineyard Nordic, who was pastoring the church. But he was preaching about his life and that he had just developed tinnitus uh, some couple of months before. And he was really struggling with that. And he had a lot of questions to God. And he was frustrated, but he was still in it. And he was still pointing to Jesus and he was still believing that God was for him. And I was just so, I couldn't understand it. <laughs> I thought it was so crazy to hear and see a pastor who was honest about life, who had real life problems, who were dealing with it in a way where he could talk about having doubts. And it was not like it was taboo or wrong. He could just share life and faith and God was in it. And it was so appealing. It was so crazy attractive that you could actually be a hu real human being in a process with God. And I had never experienced that before. It was Church was always something about putting on nice clothes, stop arguing and look nice. And you never shared your problems ever, like your battles in life. And if you by mistake would share something, it would just live on for decades. If you had problems in your marriage or whatever, in my parents' church, it was just, it would stick to your marriage forever. And so you never shared anything. And later on, the leadership I was exposed to were, had to be perfect and they had to be right and you had to submit like the leader was always right so you couldn't question anything and especially questioning was really something that would be you would be told to quit questioning and this was just so weird that there was this church environment where you could actually have questions you could be honest about life you could be a real person you didn't have to go outside church to figure out your problems to look nice in church and that was so revolutionary for me. So even though my, my, my life was so messy at the time, especially with relationships and stuff, but I felt like coming back, which was really weird. People took me in and they really encouraged me and put up with all my questions. And I was really also, I was really uh, <laughs> sitting in the back and sometimes being really obnoxious and also defensive and questioning things and I remember suggesting what in my small group that we could quit having worship because I thought it was so annoying <laughs> and Maria Lundbach Hinge who's the one leading worship in the Vineyard Nordic now she was the one leading worship so worship was really good <laughs> the high quality but I was just being so obnoxious but there was so much grace for that time where I just hadn't figured I was just really hurt and there was room for that, being hurt and being in a process. And yeah, so that was a huge turning point in my life, trying to say yes 
again to God and trusting him again. And so what was the things that stood out for you coming into that environment? What were the things that were different? You said like you could be real, people could share. Were there other things that you saw as key things? I think it was the whole concept of honesty, really, Mm. that you could be real and honest. Mm. And also the songs were honest. The songs were uh, and the songs were to God and not just about God. And a lot of the stuff I didn't get an, a language for until later. But I think a lot about just being in his presence. His presence was there and making room and space for that and speaking about God in a way that I could relate to. Down to earth, normal ways of talking about him but also experiencing god not in a hyped way because i had been in in environments that were quite hyped and really happy clappy but more like in a in a deep sense where you could actually access god and be close to him being yourself still didn't have to be pretend happy or pretend yeah good facade or and that was really different. There was a lot of things that, that relationships were really important as well. Like you, you were seen as a person, a whole person, and people were interested in getting to know you. So having a fellowship was not a means to an end, but it's actually a way of meeting Jesus. It's also in the fellowship. I think that was quite different, having a theology for being together as a community. That was quite different. And also like questioning was okay, like having struggles with God where you struggle about figuring out like if you have moments of disbelief or periods of disbelief, it's not something that sort of cancel you out or then you're not good enough. It's actually encouraged that you can, you don't have to step out of church. You might need to give it space and give it some room so you can actually wrestle with God, but it's not, you're not afraid of wrestling faith issues yeah i can totally agree on that and that's my experience as well when i came into the vineyard that our pastor at that time andreas he really took us there was like young adults in and we had this kind of home group where the focus was really like this is a group where we can talk about all (laughs) questions and Mm -hmm. we had like a theme for each meeting and we really like we could really questioning the thing we were talking about and really bounce thoughts and ideas back and forward having a good perspective from the bible but also like it's okay that it's hard to kind of understand everything it's okay that we might not agree on everything in the first time it's a group it's a space where it's safe you can bring people that are non-christian i had a colleague to me that it's an atheist and he could come with his questions without being you know judged or in the outside or anything he could just come and he was accepted and it was such a good way of doing church i would say and a lot of people in the group were like people that been brought up in church might not be so active at the moment they might as you share you know have this right and wrong kind of way of being taught in the upbringing so i think this was really relieving in a way for many of us yes yeah and yeah, I think no. that is very like core at the vineyard as well, what I see other places as well. It's not that we are not having clear thoughts in things and we don't tell them in a right and wrong perspective. It's more like it's about the person needs to find Jesus first and then yes. kind of be transformed. Yeah, uh, and also being not judging about like yeah. what people need to, you know, Do. walk away from yeah, first yeah, yeah. or deal with first, that you actually have this perspective that well, I can learn something about 
who Jesus is from somebody who's been a Christian for five minutes. It doesn't yeah. matter. Like God is so big and we mm. sometimes reduce him to being so small and that he can only work in people if don't sleep with their girlfriend and they pay tithe, their tithing and whatever. Like there can yeah. be these really wicked rules and it just makes God so small. And just being this on the search for where God is moving in people's lives I find so liberating. Like I don't have to do anything. I don't have to get to make people do anything in my church. It feels like more like being a midwife where you get to sort of help people find their, like what is God doing in their life at the moment? And how can I help them realize that and support that and be behind that instead of pushing some legalistic rules down their throats that they didn't ask for. And it just makes it so much easier to be church and being a pastor, but also just letting God be God and just see what he's doing, I think, mm. is so, so nice. Yeah, that's so good. So after this encounter with the vineyard and just being a part of a small group, and in, in the beginning, I was really scared about doing anything that was remotely about leadership and taking responsibility in any way. So I was really lucky just to be able to just rest, I guess, and heal from a lot of things. And then more and more, after a couple of years, I felt like God was nudging me to step into more things. And I always, like, leadership has always been on my heart, I think. But leadership in church just really scared me. So... Just going into this journey where I try to be more active, take more responsibility. In the beginning was just, you know, I was helping out at the info desk and stuff like that. Then later on, I um, became a small group leader. And that was really hard, I think, leading your friends and figuring out how, like, what are the expectations to a leader? Because it was so it was actually different in the vineyard and it was so liberating figuring out that I didn't have to be somebody I'm not or be perfect, but it took a while. But I think the real, really big shift for me was when we started in the church together with Helle. When the same was we started figuring out how to do something about trafficking in our city in Copenhagen. It's quite bad. With There's a lot of prostitution. There's a lot of trafficking and yeah, so I think it's 14 years ago almost that we started this ministry where we worked with, in the beginning, first an organization that had like place for women in prostitution to enter from the street. And then later on also uh, like in a safe house, they also had a safe house for women who'd been trafficked. And then one summer at a summer camp, I had this really encounter with God and he just talked to me about the women who works in the massage parlors and the brothels in the city because nobody's, they don't come to these meeting places. They just stay indoor. And God just told me, like shared his heart with me for them. And he was like, yeah, nobody sees those ladies. Nobody takes care of them. They're just hidden. And I want you to seek them out with my love. And I just want to... I want to reach them and you need to be my hands and feet. And I was so super scared. Like I'd never been to a brothel before. And I was like, that's not going to happen. You need to like, if this is you, God, I don't want to do this. But if it's you, you need to confirm this 
I will not, I'm not moving, but like, aren't there bouncers sitting behind the door and telling you to leave and stuff like that? But the very next day, this couple from, they're not even from the vineyard. They were just at camp. They'd heard that we were working with women in prostitution in Copenhagen. So they said, hey, we have these really nice presents for women and for vulnerable women in Scandinavia. So do you want to receive some of these presents for Christmas? And you can hand them out to all the women you know. And, and this could be an opening for sharing the gospel or just be gifts for women. And we got a hundred. So that was quite. Yeah, it's quite a lot. For me. It yeah. Was quite, and it was also, okay, God, we're going. So mm. at Christmas, we went out and this team sort of also just came together. And it was just such a mind blowing experience. And we were so scared. Like we had no idea what we would be facing. And just meeting these women typically Thai ladies who were just so isolated, so marginalized in our society and just give them a present. And obviously they thought they we were trying to sell them something or take advantage or something. But having these presents, wish them Merry Christmas and coming indoor and chatting with them. And a lot of them we got to pray for. And it just really, all the stuff that happened these couple of weeks and we continued doing this work for many years and we do it now also in Aarhus and they still do it in Copenhagen and they also bring out Christmas presents in Olbo and Helsingør in, in Denmark and so it's all over now but the first times we were out I think really shaped something in me about how God uses us to reach people in the darkest places And the only thing that actually is required from us is just to sort of do it. Like go out, knock on a door and say, hey, you want to have a visit and you want to talk. And especially like I think in a spiritual perspective, it totally changed my worldview because these, they were so dark, these places. They were, I have never experienced such a like heaviness entering these places as I did back then and then also experiencing sometimes when we got to pray for them and just using the name Jesus how that just shifted everything like everything in the atmosphere everything just totally shifted and I couldn't explain it it was not a part of my sort of like I knew about it but it wasn't experienced like this the difference between light and the darkness. The name of Jesus is such a powerful thing in the spiritual world. And it was just so, you could feel it, you could sense it. It was so thick, but really experiencing it in these places totally changed my way of thinking in a spiritual sense. And especially, I, I got so into all the songs that are about singing about Jesus The name of Jesus. I just got so hooked on all these. And that changed so much for me. And also just in the years to come with the work we had with the women in prostitution and the traffic ladies, I think in the beginning I thought, well, I have all this love to give and it's great and everything. And I have so much to give. And just really quickly realizing how little love that actually is in me for people who are in need. Like I it was just so embarrassing and humiliating to realize I get so annoyed, you know, and vulnerable women, they're actually quite hard to love in many ways, or at least for me. So it was just getting to understand that, well, I actually don't have that much to give, but 
I have everything to give if I can give them Jesus and if it's his love. I give, and it's not something I need to sort of find in myself, but it's something that's, yeah, I can access and bring. And, but also, and what I can bring is so limited, it's so finite. But when God comes in, it's so infinite, and His love is endless. Mine is really limited. Yeah, so it changed so many things. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing. I mean, it's an incredible work and an area where the church and Jesus is really needed. I mean, of course, he's needed everywhere, but I mean, it's really a dark thing in our world with trafficking and prostitution and everything. And I I haven't been involved in that in particular, but when I was doing a DTS in Singapore with YWAM, with Youth with Mission, we were out mm. uh, having outreaches to these uh, ladies uh, with an organization that was reaching out in the area of their kind of red light district. And that was totally new for me. You know, you saw these people coming out in the night and it mm. was so strange to just hear how their stories, they were promised work in Singapore from other Asian countries. And when they came there, they took their passport and everything and just placed them in these different houses in this area. And mm. they were like five, six women and then a pimp. And they were living in a house and then in the night they came out. And it's so just hard to see how that could be a reality in our world today. And it's just so, what to say, devastating to hear about this. And I remember also when Lisa, who's running Eden Ministry in Burma, that's part of Vineyard. Also when she shared a couple of years ago at summer camp, I was also really touched. And uh, yeah, sometimes I have hard emotionally to attach to these kind of things because it feels so, you know, far away. Mm. But when you hear stories from your you know, where you live and from people that you know, it just breaks <laughs> your heart so much. Yeah, And I think it's, it is really hard to actually grasp or get a hold of. And I think there's also this, it feels like there's so much heaviness around it that feels like this, oh, I can't really think about it. Oh, I don't have the energy. It's just too much. It's too, it's too heavy. Like, how can I even do anything? And I think for us also in Aarhus now, when we go to the brothels, it's just right out like it's even in Aarhus. There's, uh, for some reason, I live in a neighborhood where there's quite a lot of brothels and there's one right outside my bedroom window and it's everywhere. It's so everywhere, but you can actually do something and you can yeah. pray when yeah. you go walk by the place and you can... Yeah, because often like those things that you say you can't grasp, so that's then it's so easy for us to not do anything because we kind of got just, you know, freezed. But actually see, what can we do? Yeah, and do apathy is again. just this real, it's so heavy. Yeah. And especially in this area, and we talked so much about it over the years, like how can we, you know, there's different moves to do something because when you do nothing, it's you just get distance from it. But when you do something, it's also really encouraging to be around others who also do something because... It's so easy to just get so full. Like, it's such a huge problem. Like, doesn't even describe it. Like, it's so massive. It's so, it's world, it's totally global phenomenon. It's so exploiting. Now with, you know, Ukrainians who come all over Europe, women and children alone without their husbands and fathers, they're so easy to exploit. And it's such a huge problem already because traffickers are just so all over and we need to wake up and pray for it and do something and also know that things are being done. There are actually things that are working and awareness, even also a huge area where it's 
important just to be, yeah, not unaware or, yeah. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Yeah, I think when I look back on my life, there's these two, the two stories I just shared was just really, there was a huge shift in me. And I think literally there was a huge shift or like we just took new residents when we moved to church plant here in Aarhus. I think before that, just like being called to church planting was a major shift in my life, in our lives. And I think it's now six years ago that we were living in Copenhagen. We had one child would like to have another. So we were in a really stable season for once and things were doing good. We were like happy about things ministry-wise and Simon was pastoring in Copenhagen Vineyard and we were just, yeah enjoying life i think and then we had this week where on tuesday simon was biking home from work and he just had this weird feeling that god told him to that or inviting him to going to Aarhus to plant a church and he came home and he didn't say anything he went to the bathroom and stayed there for quite a while and afterwards he told me like longer after that he had been Googling Aarhus because we actually didn't know that much about Aarhus at all. We didn't have any friends here. And he was just like, why Aarhus? And he was yeah, sitting in the bathroom. He was quite weird for a couple of days and we didn't talk about it. And then on the Friday, we were sitting in church. at this, We had a staff meeting and we we're talking about Copenhagen Vineyard and it was getting too full of people and should we drain it in some way? And... And we had this conversation. It was sort of like silly and people saying silly things and, and also serious things. But people were like, yeah, somebody should go church planting and maybe you could go like the, the people mentioned other people. And and I was having alongside this conversation, a conversation with God. And I felt like he was asking us to go church planting. And I was like, hey, no, that's not going to work. Things are stable. Don't want to mess it up. And he was like, why not? And I'm like, well, we want more children. It's messy with children. And he was like, why is it messy with children? And you and I was, you know, it was this sort of battle with God. And then the meeting ended and I was like, I felt sick. Like really I had to throw up or something <laughs> because I had this yeah, clear vision that God was like wanting us to go to Aarhus if we wanted to and inviting us to do that. And I was like, I don't want to do this. I really love Copenhagen. I can't imagine going to this Western part of Denmark. And I was just like, what is this? You know, Vineyard is a, a church planting movement, but I've always, like when Simon, he's always getting ideas and he would be talking about church planting. Early on, he was be, I would always say, I don't even want to talk about it. It's too much. It's too hard. Like, I don't want to talk about something for fun. If it's not like God really has to do something really like I need to be called big time if I had to go church planting. And so it's not ever been a part of our discussion. I was like so shook up. So we biked home and had to pick up our kid and dinner and everything Friday evening. And then I think around eight o'clock at night, we ended up sitting down and I was like, yeah, I need to tell you something. And Simon said, yeah, I need to tell you something too. And then we shared, both of us, you know, pretty trembling. Like you, it's always weird when you have to share when God speaks. It's always really vulnerable. And then after we shared, we just looked at each other and we're like, 
this is so weird. And we're like, so we're going to Aarhus? And we're like, it was so weird. And this, we didn't sleep very well for a couple of weeks. And it was such a weird process of figuring out like, okay, we felt like we had a choice, but we had to sort of make it our own choice. I think this this experience of calling and all what it meant to step out again, it actually felt a lot like the same experience I had with, you know, starting to going into the brothels and doing something where it's like, it's not my idea. This is so much not my idea. Like really knowing this is not my idea. And it's both a comfort because it makes it, well, God must be in control, but it's also combined with such fear and pain in many ways of going where you have no control. And when we moved to Aarhus was also just giving up a lot of things for something we didn't knew anything, how it would be. And, you know, leaving friends and family and church and everything we loved. There was nothing wrong with our lives in Copenhagen at all. In contrary, it's just what we really loved. So I just really, yeah. But I think this experience of, it's not that it's easy. <laughs> it's not that it's it's easy living, living with, going with God, but it's just this extreme adventure about being a part of something that you would never have imagined or made up yourself because it's too scary and too weird and too stupid really in a worldly sense but going where there's nothing that's makes sense but only because god has called you to it's like it's the best i don't want to be anywhere else and yeah and it's been tough like the last couple of years has been quite tough and uh life is not that easy i think i just turned 40 one and i think i just realized that there's a lot of things that are like the hard parts of life and we had corona and a lot of people in our close relationships have been experiencing some really really hard times and it affects you and you know women in prostitution everything it like the world is not a nice place in a sense it's not easy it's not but but with god it, it can actually be adventure and life-giving and yeah yeah it's it sounds like you you really kind of left a really good place it was definitely not just running away from something or trying mm -hmm. to find greener grass on the other side but really like following the heart and really cool to hear like that what do you say when both of you got this kind of calling from each way and then kind of coming together, sharing it and seeing how that also in, in the end, how it end up with actually moving and what you're seeing now. And for the church today, what are your hearts for your city where you live now? You say that you're reaching out to brothels and places like that, but what do you see in your area that you're called to as a local church? I think when we came in the beginning, we were like, why do we have to go to Aarhus? Because there's actually some quite nice churches in Aarhus. Before we even went here and we have some great colleagues here in other churches, but we realized pretty quickly that there's quite a need for a church with a low threshold and a church where you could come in where if you have no idea about faith before or yeah. So we see actually every Sunday, there's somebody who hasn't been to church before who's there and, and we have seen people 
with the weirdest reasons <laughs> to show up in church. <laughs> and also that God has been, you know, moving them in their dreams or, you know, there's just been having this faith journey mm. with God by themselves. And then suddenly they realize, okay, I need a community. And for some reason, they end up at our place and we're the first place for them to pray together with others or, you know, and it's not because we have shared our faith. <laughs> Actually, we can just be a home for them. And I think that's what we really love to be. And we also had some, I know, Jan Jord, you know, yeah. a, a Swedish pastor. He gave us this picture at the camp when we had shared that we were planting. And he actually said, you know, God will send people from other places in their homes. He would see like people sitting in their homes and just waiting for us to come to the city so they could come in and feel at home at our place. And it's been wow. the sense that people has come to us, that mm. he said that we need to be you know, aware of that we should create a home. And I felt like, yeah, that's really what's been happening, actually. We don't really know why people come or how they find us, but they do. And and now we just we just changed location just before the summer here. We just got new buildings, one for Sundays at the university. We're going to meet at the university on Sundays. And then we got a small, smaller, like, office thing for during the week, right at the main walking street and nightlife area. And I really have a hope that we could reach young people clubbing during the night and do stuff because it's it really makes sense. Aarhus is really a young city. It's mm. the youngest city in average age in Denmark. It's the average age in Aarhus is 23. Oh, wow. Yeah, so you can really tell. <laughs> There's so many students. Yeah. It's like a tenth of... Yeah. The population is studying medicine. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it's like you see students everywhere. Yeah. And the nightlife scene is quite big as well. Mm. So I think with the new places, we really need to tap more into that. Yeah. Like reaching young people during the night. That's my hope. Yeah, thank you so much. And to summarize also your three stories that you now shared for us, what is there like a red thread that you would kind of summarize these stories into? I think it's something about, you know, stepping out and believing that God is in control, just not being afraid of doing something new and see that God is strong enough, but also about being honest. Like, I think the whole thing about authenticity and not trying to be somebody you're not, I think for me, coming to the vineyard when I was 20 was or 21, was really, really, that what that changed everything. But also with the women in prostitution and trafficking, before we started that, I was so afraid of doing something wrong. I was so afraid of not having control, not understanding things. And when you're, I think when we live in the Nordic countries, we have such a high level of education in everything that we do. So we think, okay, I need to be so equipped. I need to be so ready. I need to be so know what to do before we even take a small step. And I think so many, like so much of the time, we just need to step out. And then when we do take the step in faith that God knows what he's doing and that I don't know what I'm doing is actually just a good thing because that maybe makes me a bit more relying on him and desperate for him showing up. And I think just being in that like state of desperation and reliance on God instead of our own skills and knowledge and experience just doing it anyway because all of the times when i've taken risks 
which means like looking like an idiot, just doing something where you don't know what's going to happen. That's really when God shows up. Like he doesn't like when everything is safe and nice, of course, God is always there, but he really shows up and he really does things in us and shapes us when we dare to go where we don't want to go, but we do it because he calls us. Yeah. So that's just, I think I've just been thinking about a lot about that and lately because it's always, no matter when you do it in life, if risk is risky and there's th- when there's things on the line, it's, ah, oh, it's not comfortable. And yeah, but I really need to encourage myself to do it because it's not easy, but it's so worth it. Yeah. That sounds so good. It's always very exciting being around you guys and also hearing your stories. It's really encouraging me and I think many that are listening right now to just follow God. And, you know, you can be honest with life. You can be honest with everything. And God is still there and he is for being honest. He is for being real. That's what he wants us to be. And it's reminding me about that today. So thank you so much for sharing. And and I also know, and I also believe this is such a big and good step now, as you also will go into the national leaders of Denmark Vineyard, which is really nice to see that development happening right now, actually. And I mean, shortly, what are your dreams and hope for that? Well, I think it's actually about figuring out what God is already up to. And I really think that the vineyard movement had so much great to give to Denmark and we have only just begun. Vineyard in, in Denmark is not it's not that old. Well, Copenhagen Vineyard is quite old, but other churches, most of the churches has come the last five, 10 years. So I think we're only at the beginning and it's so clear that the whole thing about being inclusive, figuring out how to talk about faith in a way that average Danes can understand and uh, and also having this gift regarding worship and compassion is actually I think when you're in the vineyard you sometimes don't really realize how huge that actually is but I think we do really have something to bring with church plants and with youth and with compassion ministries and worship There's so much to give to the wider church in Denmark, but also with planting new churches and and bringing life where God is already stirring things and he's already at work. So I think me and Simon really want to release or just become part of the journey to Mm. the midwife, just way of leading, you know, where can we help deliver some of the stuff that God is already doing and support and develop some of the places where God is already at work. So that's, it's so new for us. So we haven't really, yeah, it's not until August that we actually step into the function as leaders. So it's quite new, but we really just want to seek God and also talk a lot to the other pastors and churches, like what is the needs and what is God already doing and how can we be behind that? Yeah. support that yeah that sounds really good and yeah as you said you step into this officially in august and now when we're recording it's june but when we release this episode it's probably october somewhere and yeah i'm really looking forward for the development of vineyard denmark and um and i really believe that you will 
help us all in the Nordic countries to, to grow healthy churches, I think. And now to go for an ending in this talk, I'm, as I said, I'm really happy to have had this talk today and really inspired to hear what you share. And if you were to like write something on a billboard for the whole world to see, mm. or maybe illustrate something, if you're more into that, what would that be? Yeah, when I talk to people in church and when I preach and when I, to myself and in church and and when I try to do life, I really hope that I could, you know, walk into the world knowing that I'm the daughter of the creator, the one who created the whole earth, who died for me, who, who has everything in his hand, who's drawing everybody near and he's the one that provides for me. I don't live in a world of scarcity where there's not enough, but I live in a world where I tap into this kingdom where there's everything. If I could learn what that means to be his daughter who has everything at my disposal, stewarding all the things that he has given me and giving us as people, it would just be so different. Everything would just be so different. And if we could just hide our identity in him, in everything we do. So that makes everything change. And if I could illustrate that, or <laughs> if I could write that on a billboard yeah. where that would actually, if people could actually know that, that would be amazing. Yeah. I get the picture of someone standing with a father looking out over the world. Mm. Maybe the Lion King <laughs> yes. lifting up the small lion. <laughs> yes. And this is your kingdom. Or, yeah, this is all the opportunities are yours if you want to go with me. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining in today. And I'm looking forward to meet in person soon. Yes. And for everyone that are listening, I hope you have had a good listen and stay safe until next time. And yes. thank you again, Anne. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you want to follow the Vina Nordic movement and everything that is happening, you can go to Facebook and Instagram and follow us under Vineyard Nordic. You can also help us by subscribing to this podcast on the different podcast platforms. When doing that, you will also get an update every time we have a new episode out. So again, thank you and see you again next time. Bye bye.